Welcome, welcome, welcome to Talk to Talk with She Me Her. I need a love to hate to hate here coming to you guys from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My God is good. He continues to bless me. My family's blessed. And well, another day above ground is always a blessing. And for your ear, for your attention, for your time, for your support. No matter how short, brief it is, she, me, her, thank you for tuning in and giving me your attention. It is Friday, yes. And so, on my pack class today, it was basically just Q&A questions. And feel good Friday, feel good Friday. Let me stop acting like that. Um, but yeah, it's Friday. That means we've made it through a busy, hectic weekday. Um, I don't know about you guys, but you know what? I'm happy that it is Friday. And I got a few days off. And actually, I was actually off today. Um, so I kind of got a head start. And although I had a head, head start, um, it still was... Um, it still was a little weird because I had things that I had to do and things of that nature. But um, that Friday feeling, it's like that anticipation of the weekend after that hard working week. So you know what? I'm ready to just to just chill. You know what I mean? And just relax and just I'm gonna read a lot because I have a final exam and so I'll be reading a lot getting caught up again on my math things of that nature but yeah feel good Friday yeah I'm not gonna get into all that anyway you guys it is feel good Friday and on feel good Friday it's whatever you feel like talking about and like doing Hot topics, Q&A, all that good stuff, and she, me, her, that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to prolong this any longer, Um, but um, let's get into it. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) All right, Friday is more like Friday, the end of the week upon us and we are more than ready and no rushing people you breeze into the house after a big week and you're absolutely loving the fact that there would be no school there would be no work tomorrow morning breathe in breathe out the weekend is here that means more time for fun and with your family Friday means there's more time for family activity. It's the best time of the week to go for a walk or pop to the local park to work up on an appetite for tea or something like that. I like tea. That's why I said tea. Dinner time. Nothing sets your right for Friday night like a fun family tea time with everyone around the table with burgers, McDonald's, um, Raising Cane, French fries at the ready. Load up those plates and tuck in, you guys. Optimism. The weekend is the promise of a good time with your favorite bunch of people. 
whatever your family is into, sports, movies, or a trip to the countryside, hiking, working out, whatever. Your fun weekend plans will never fail to put a skip in your step. Late night and sleep-ins. Fridays are special, you guys. There's nothing like breaking bedtime rules when you know you all are going to get to enjoy an extra lie-in tomorrow. Sweet dreams. Yes, honey. Um, so, enjoy your weekend, you guys. And live in the moment. You know, a lot of people take um, life so serious where you don't even enjoy. You don't get to, you know, have fun. You know? So, just live and laugh and enjoy and make the best out of it you know sometimes there are people that have so much negativity in their life they can't even really enjoy the friday um when friday get here and so their <laughs> their life is so crazy and their family is so weird to where they're rushing to get back in the flow of things on monday well she mean huh and I, i'm mm-mm. no but it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. I made it through the week. You've made it through the week. I've done what I needed to do. I've accomplished. I conquered all that good stuff. And now you guys, let's get into it. Hot topics. Um, be right back. All right. Stop and think, people. That is my hot topic. As adults, most of us, we are pretty good at running through the pros and cons of things. Sure, we all make impulse choices every now and then. King size Reese's in the checkout line, chips, anyone? Yeah, that's us. But other choices takes a little more reflection, a little more thought. Should I go to the gym this morning? Nah. If I don't go, I'll get to sleep in an extra 45 minutes, but I will miss my workout. And I will probably regret it because I feel like I'm gaining weight and I need to get back in shape. Which shoes, which pair of shoes should I buy? I mean, I buy, if I buy this pair of shoes, I'll be further away from saving my $50 a month that I say that I will consistently do. But it will look good on in this outfit. And then I have another outfit that I can wear so I can switch it up in about three or four different outfits. Should I buy me this house? If I buy this house, I'll be further from work, but it has a bigger backyard. If I buy that house, I'll be closer to work, but there's no hardwood floors and the kitchen needs updating. Oh my God. So people are currently thinking, and I will be currently thinking about shoes, purses, looking for my first house, my second house. And these decisions are tough, y'all. You know what I mean? Um, We've had a long time to practice the advice to stop and think, but a lot of us don't. And that's what we have to do. We have to stop and think more. Um, the stop and think address the core feature of like an ADHD person. Because some of the core features of ADHD are like attention deficits, impossibility, um, distractibility, poor self-regulation, hyperactivity, negative interaction with adult peers. So if we stop and think explicitly targets, children are also taught skills to combat impulsivity. Um, impulsivity is addressed in a number of ways. The primary treatment goal 
It's for children and adults to develop a series of problem-solving steps through their explicit teaching and modeling. So uh, is people that does not stop and think. Is that a sign that they are ADHD people? Of course not. Is stop and think developmental in nature? Stop and think is clearly designed for everyone. And yes, it's a part of nature because people have a habit of being what they are around. Um, So I don't think anyone should feel guilty about not taking the time to stop and think because stopping and thinking is a behavior. So it can be changed. You can work on it. You can fix it. So um, there are basic skills that we can use and each skill is taught and practiced over and over and over and it becomes pattern for us. And these skills can be used at home, at work, and they're positively reinforced what what was taught to us in school and as we were getting older. But when we get older, we just tend to just create other bad habits of rushing and just being off of impulse like little children all the time. You know what I mean? The skills that are good to follow are listening. Listen to everything very thoroughly. Follow the directions. Is step number two. Three, using nice talk. Number four, ask for help. Because everybody knows some of us are so stubborn. We don't want to ask for help because we don't want to feel like we're bothering someone or we don't want to get that attitude that somebody don't want to be bothered so we don't ask for help. I'm guilty of that. Waiting for your turn. You know, some people are very impatient. How long I got to wait? Oh my God, get the blowing. Had a situation at work this week. A woman came to work early, came to the, her appointment early. So because she came to the appointment early, she expected to be seen early. But I couldn't do that. Now, I brought her back 25 minutes ahead of her appointment time, and she still had an attitude. She was just a blowing. I mean, her body language was horrible. She didn't want me touching her, which I think me being black and her being her race, I think that was really the biggest problem of it, along with not wanting to wait and not wanting to wait to her turn because she's seen other people being brought back who wasn't even seeing us. They were seeing another doctor in the clinic. And so, yeah, it was a challenge for me because I actually thought that I was doing something good by bringing her back 25 minutes early. And right after I brought her back from the first moment when I said good morning, I realized I should have waited to 930 and brought her back. That's what I should have done. But it's over with. Anyway, number six, how to interrupt if someone is talking be mindful of how you interrupt them when they're talking like, excuse me, you know what I mean? Or I'm sorry, can you, you know what I mean? Or I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you were saying. Those are the polite way to interrupt. Ignoring. Yeah, that's number seven. Number eight, dealing with teasing. <laughs> yeah, even as adults, we, we get teased. 
So it's not just when you're children, it's adults too. Um, number nine, dealing with losing. And me, I'm bad at that because I hate losing. And accepting consequences. Now, I have no problem with taking accountability for my actions of me doing something wrong. However, if I don't feel like I'm wrong, it's hard for me to take responsibility for it. But I have been the one that been the bigger person and bit the gun when I felt like I shouldn't have. So, yeah. Okay. Stop and think. This self is actually designed to condition us to take the time necessary for us to calm down and for us to think about how we want to handle the situation that we're, we're dealing with. So are you going to make a good choice or a bad choice? These steps provides us with a chance to decide what kind of choices that we, we need or want to make and with help from our friends or whomever that we can get help from, it can help us along with the meaningful, positive, and negative consequences of those various choices. Um, most time, children will decide to make a good choice. We as adults, majority of the time, especially when we're disturbing, we tend to make those bad choices. So those are things that will help us with that. What are your choices or your steps? The steps helps us to develop a specific plan before we implement a social skill. Um, this is where we learn and we as parents sometimes we have to teach and assist our children by providing possible good choices or by actually teaching specific skills by breaking them into their component behavior parts. The steps helps us and our children to think before we, we act or they act. And getting us and them ready to move into action and just do it and this is the part where children and, and parents individuals actually perform their good choice behavior or their bad choice but in our case we're hoping for a good choice if the specific skill or decision that we make work is great it's amazing if not the child or us individually is either provided with additional choices by the people around us or if we're the parent and we're teaching or if it's a teacher and the teacher's teaching or they are taught a new skill to use. Um, sometimes they are prompt to go over steps of a previous taught skill to make sure they're using properly. I was told to go back over the process Think about what it is that was said. Listen to what was said. And be very clear on the decision that I want to make. Um, and once successful, it's on to the, to the last step. The good job. You know what I mean? Steps prompts us to reinforce ourselves for successful, um, successfully using a social skill and successfully responding to situations or requests. Um, the step is important because children and adults, we do not always reinforce them, you know, them for ourselves, for making good choices and doing a good job. So that step teaches self-reinforcement. Exactly. So I think stop and think is a good thing for us to do all the time 
Um, it's not just something that we supposed to do in school and then we stop doing it. It's a continuous thing. You know, we always tend to put it on the teachers and get the teachers to teach the children these steps when they're in school. And then when we become adults, we stop. We don't stick to it. We don't we don't continue to do it in our lives. You know, um, we get caught up in that um, mindset of just going, going, going and impulse um, to we we don't think about it. And in this world today, it's hard for, for children to grow up in this world. You know, so if it's hard for us as adults to change, just imagine how hard it is for this for these children to grow up in this world. They face pressure at school, with us at home, with their peers, and within the community. They are constantly bombarded with mixed messages about how they should behave in these different situations. Clearly, children have important choices or decisions to make almost continuously throughout their day. They also have to respond or react to many interpersonal problem-solving and conflict situations. All too often, they are angry because they don't get their way. Then they refuse to follow directions when they're told to do something. Then their feelings are hurt when peers tease or taunt them or they don't say no when peers pressure them to engage in inappropriate behaviors or to make harmful decisions. In today's society, children are more at risk for social, emotional, and behavior problems than ever before. And as adults, when we don't continue to, to make those patterns a habit and a livelihood, it's almost like we are socially and well, like we have social and emotional behavior problems. But many students, children, individuals today, when compared with children and individuals five years ago, if we're going to be honest, they're more anxious. They seek more attention. They're more attention seekers. They care less. They're more angry. They're more tired and pressured, um, less responsible. They're, they're impacted more by TV, the technologies of computer games and the media and their, their peer groups. Um, they're less impacted by incentives. They're more defiant and disobedient, um, more interested in immediate gratification. They're less impacted by punishment. They don't care. More impulsive, less motivated, less attentive, less self-confident, less concerned with adults' approval. They're not. They're less able to problem solve on their own. Um, exposed more to sex and drugs. And the reason for these changes typically cluster in areas of changes in the nuclear and extended family. Like there may be divorces or remarriage or the mom may be single and now she's dating or the dad may be dating someone. Or there's less effective parenting skills at home or changes in the dynamic of the community and the quality of availability of the service. Um, they need more positive interactions with adults, the economy and the impact of their poverty, um, deceased in um, respect, lack of support, care, um, the, the effect of the media, video games, computers, TVs, 
in, um, increased access of exposure to drugs. People are able to get to weapons and alcohol. Um, these are facts that many children are exposed to difficult situations and challenging life circumstances at every early age. And for those at great risk because of those situations and circumstances, adult supervision and instructions are even more important than ever before. We can put it on the teachers and we can have the teachers teach each, you know, their children their social skills and directing them and and using steps. Um, We can correct them, get the teachers to correct them. But you can't just put it on the teachers. We as adults have to do that too. We have to be able to teach our children how to problem solve and how to, you know, conflict resolution skills to help students to deal with significant emotions and emotional situations and to resolve existing interpersonal and interpersonal conflicts. Among the emotions that many may experience and need to control are their anger their embarrassment, their their anxiety, their jealousy, their fear, frustration, their impatience and sadness and that when they feel helplessness. You know? I'm gonna say this and this is to adults as well as to children. Teachers, it is important to realize that we will need to be retaught many of social skills as we get older. And so it's important to also teach our children. And so as adults, we constantly have to be retaught. And although the names of the social skills do not change over time, how they are taught and adults' expectation for how children perform these type of skills should change. And that is because children over time are able to handle increased behavior expectations due to their development and maturation. Children experience or confront more complex and challenging situations as they get older, and adults need to slowly help teach them to progress behaviorally every day, month, every year by increasing their knowledge and their skill level over time. We have to constantly re-educate ourselves. Thus, our expectations when children perform any of those skills should differ from three-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and 12-year-olds. And as children get grow older, they should be expected to perform certain social skills more often, quicker, and for a long period of time, more independently and with a higher level of self-control. And all of this relates directly to the impact of child development and the teaching of social skills. Even as adults, what we learn, younger on, we're supposed to continue to use them. But as adults, over time, we become more aware of what is right and wrong and more conscious of the consequences of our own behavior and more sensitive to other thoughts and feelings. As such, the ability, the desire and need to apologize for those mistakes that we make or inappropriate behaviors and bad decisions increase. And so we have to constantly behave positive for our children and for others that we're helping and that's watching us that we don't realize that's watching us. So to teach, first we have to ask ourselves, 
to stop and think. And then if we're going to, to make a good choice or a bad choice, and once we have decided to make a good choice, we begin to teach how to apologize, or shall I say the apologizing skill. And what everyone needs to know when it comes to apologizing skills is decide. Do you need to apologize for something you did or not? Number two, walk. You walk up to the person that you need to apologize to. Number three, you look them directly into the person's eyes and you say to them, I am sorry. And you explain why you're sorry and you give them very details of what you did wrong. And then number four, you listen to that person's response without judgment. You just listen. And number five, you ask the person if he or she wants to talk about something else or do something else with you or just simply say thanks for listening and just walk away if there's nothing else left to say. Once we are ready to demonstrate the apologizing skill, do it. And then remember to tell yourself that you did a good job. Remember that to teach those skills and every other social skill, you have to use the same teaching process. And that in process involved teaching the steps of the desired social skill, modeling the skills in the social skills language, role playing the skills in the script with, with whomever you need to role play it with, give performance feedback and apply and have people evaluate you as you use it. And also with teachers and also with parents that's teaching their children, you know, I used to do that when my children were smaller and then as they got older, I just took for granted that they understood and they got it. But then I realized that I had lacked in a lot of things about me. You know, when we lack those essential social skills, we cannot meet the demands of anyone. We, we are not succeeding in life at anything as a result of that. We become destructive with our family, with our friends, at work, at school, and we act out with those frustrations and those anger. So if we stop and think, we're being pro-social, we're being proactive, and we can turn our lives around and help our children with those appropriate skills. and how to get along with others and help them to solve problems and resolve conflicts and act out, acting out for them is no longer their only option. Stop and think empowers us by giving us a choice. It can make good choices or bad choices, but at the same time, the stop and think process, it can make us better regardless if we make a good decision or a bad decision because we're human and so we're not going to always get it right and we're not going to always please everybody else so um 
I just think sometimes we have to slow down. That's why so many children have been left in vehicles. And because parents were in a rush, they didn't slow down to think. And to be honest with you, at one time, I used to think, oh, my God, it's possible. You know, you, you know, especially if you're not the one that normally takes the child to school and this and that or whatever. Now, I'm sorry, but I don't feel that way. <laughs> I guess because there's too many people have um, left their children in vehicles. And these children have died from sun exposure, too much sun exposure. So it's hard for me to believe that these children, these people just forgot. It's hard. And I'm not God, and I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not judging and I'm not criticism, but I just don't believe that that's the case with those type of situations. Um, with all of them, I do think that when someone is out of routine and they're not accustomed to bringing a child here compared to the mom or whatever, sometimes you can get caught up with that. Or when people have lack of sleep, yes. I went all the way to work with my daughter in the back of the car, and she didn't say anything. And as I was exiting to get to my job, some just told me to look back in the river mirror. I looked back in the river mirror, and she was in the, in, in the back seat. I'm like, Oh my God, because <laughs> I was supposed to drop off the sitter. Yeah, and I kept, was about to keep straight to work. Just saying. So my final thought is calm down, breathe deeply, consider everyone's feelings, think, what is the problem? What are your options? What are the consequences of the actions? And then choose, make your choice. Talk to someone you trust for support. And then continue to do it. Continue to follow those steps. Stop, think, and then choose. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you. I'll be back, you guys, with Q&A. All right, Q&A. First question comes from Kevin, and it say. What is it like to work in a busy emergency room of a large hospital if you've ever worked in a hospital? Um, it's like jumping on the back of a bull, except the bull is covered in gasoline and you're on fire in hell with people spraying you with boiling acid from everywhere and they'll try to hang on and make it to the end without being thrown off so you can chart for hours after your shift. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like having four children, four babies that are right behind each other and all of them have diarrhea, but you got to give them medicine, keep them clean, clean the house up and then turn around and make sure they're straight. And then you have to make sure that you're together in the process of it because you have to still be strong and healthy and all that good stuff to take care of them. Basically, it's a lot. Wouldn't suggest it. Just saying. All right. Next question. I find that my boyfriend ugly and I'm put off by his obsceneness. 
However, personality-wise, he is a very ideal spouse. It's hard to 100% love him, yet he's madly in love with me. What should I do? Um, I, I, I can't speak from experience, but I have found that when you truly love someone and they tick all your boxes, then their appearance doesn't matter. I would say this. I kind of don't really need physical beauty from a man. Rather, I look in them for masculinity, uh, hairness, wide shoulders, whatever, whatever. Um, I just, I know what it means to have a partner who ticks all the boxes. Appearances doesn't matter. Hell, I, I... if he have a zit, I probably pop his zits and find it oddly enjoyable, which is crazy. And, you know, he's a douchebag sometimes. Shit, I'm a douchebag sometimes. But, and he struggles with his weight, but his weight struggle is not impacting my desire for him. Now, of course, I don't know anything about your situation. Life is full of different cases and you might have a completely different type of story than mine. But if my story helps you put things in a perspective, maybe re-examine how you feel, even if you just end up asking the guy to lose weight for you or dress different. I don't know, which is a normal thing to ask in a relationship. Um, then I'll be happy for you. But consider this too. Are you staying with him despite being repulsed by his appearance because you think you won't find another guy with such a great personality plus a sexual t- attraction plus him loving you? It's so, I'll say there are 6 billion people on the planet and 50% of them are fucking men. You're going to find other guys. You would, who I think would, you know, check all your boxes off. Not tick, but check all your boxes off. I'm just saying. Um, so, yeah. I, I think it's time for you to assess what's really important for you. Is it true that sexual attraction is part of a relationship, but for many... That attraction can be based in a larger part on a deep spiritual, excuse me, spiritual connection. If you dump him because he's not Brad Pitt, you might find that you don't, that, you know, might duplicate the great personality match that you have and you could find yourself in deep regret later. Um, and then you could find somebody that meets, um, everything later on so it's 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 either or um truly assessing what is important and not important in a relationship with a man and decide what your percents are regarding physical and personality traits relationships require work you have to decide if you want to work this guy work with this guy to help him would you be willing to research healthy meal plans or cook for him would you be willing to go on a loving walk every day after dinner with him so that he gets exercise like um are you willing to be patient with him and not nag him or resent his appearance can you lovingly encourage him to accomplish and forgive his occasional cheating on his diet because it's going to happen have you tried talking about how you really feel to him in a loving way, in a compassion way. If you really love him and he really loves you, he may decide that it's time to put down the pizza for the girl of his dreams. Who who knows? I don't know. Perhaps he'll make the incentive he needs to lose the weight if he loves you that much and don't want to lose you. 
assess your past relationship. You know what I mean? Go back and think about that. Is this guy really better than the other fellas you've dated? How he treats you, respects you, and loves you? Can you see yourself loving him for his many great qualities too? How many handsome and fit guys have you dated or who have approached you who were totally dicks and looked at amazing? I'm just saying. If it's really important for you to have a buff guy above all else, then do this nice guy a favor and let him find someone else who will appreciate his many great fine qualities despite the fact that he's not, he's a little obese, you know. Remember, you have some fault too that he is overlooking. He just probably haven't said anything to you about it. He's doing so because despite your flaws, he sees good in you. That he loves you despite your flaws is another testament to him. Whatever you do, I suggest that you not drag it out. Do not pretend. Don't endlessly keep him on a string. If you can't eventually get to a point where you 100% love him, then admit it to yourself and to him. Because it sounds like he's a great guy who needs a woman who loves him. And if you're not that person, then let him find the one that is. Um, I hope this helps. Um, good luck. Okay. Next question. Let's see. Um, let's see. Why did my grandmother say that she and other people don't care about the guy who lost his job for turning in a doctor who gave people chemo when they didn't need it? Why does she think that? What do you think? Why does you? Why does she mean? Or what does she mean? Um. First off, how old is she? And could she be getting some cognitive impairment? Often when people are just barely starting to get cognitive impairment, they start losing their judgment and being very callous. Um, I, I, I don't know. And, and sometimes people who are older and go on a fixed income like Social Security or a pension or something like that, they are angry about anything that means government spending. They have listened to some nonsense shit, and they think if the government spends less money, they get to have more money. I'm just saying. Um, so maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but just saying. I don't know. <laughs> Next question from. Martin, why don't people ever ride zebras? Um, I don't know. Um, they are like horses. They're like tigers to forest cats. Um, I don't know. Zebras are not sharing a savanna with the antelopes and the wild beasts nearest the restaurants and not longer confined to cages like an old old pictures and things of that nature um bottom line just because something looks like a horse doesn't mean it will act like one so i don't have experience with zebras but i can tell you about wolf hybrids um but i don't know what the percent of wolf king and all that other stuff is but i don't know i've never seen anybody that even rode a zebra um zebras are definitely been domesticated um so i don't know so All 
All right, you guys, this is my last question um, because home has gotten very busy and everybody wants to let everyone know that they have made it home. So my last question is, I'm a lesbian and my best friend happens to be straight, but I am in love with her, sadly. Things are really complicated, but she never wants to sit down and talk. How do I clear the air with her? Should I clear the air with her? Look, if your friend is grounded in her sexuality, then you absolutely cannot push for a relationship with her. Of course, you can ask whether she's open to experimenting with her sexuality. However, if she is firm on not feeling the same, asking her to try because you want a relationship is unfair to her and to yourself. It would be extremely selfish to essentially impose your feelings over her personal comfort for her relationship that one is not truly happy in. You should be honest and tell her that you have those feelings, but you also have to ask yourself if you can separate them from your friendship. If not, then decide whether you're willing to sacrifice your friendship for those feelings. Um, it's really not that complicated, so just be honest. All right, that is my time, you guys. Apparently, people are here, and now they want me to, I guess, talk to them, although they hear me talking. So for your ear and your energy, I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I apologize for the rudeness, and I apologize for rambling on with the zebra situation because <laughs> it really was a weird question. Um, I was going to do more questions, but catch me tomorrow. I'll try to get more into my Q&A then. But for your ear and your attention, you guys, I thank you. I appreciate you. Remember to stay true to yourself. Never let someone else's thoughts and opinion dictate who and what you are of yourself. Continue to push love despite negativity. Let your family and friends know that you love them today because tomorrow is not promised to you guys. It is Feel Good Friday. And never let someone else steal your joy. You should never give anyone that much power. I don't care if it's family, if it's friends, if it's a co-worker, if it's somebody in a store. They didn't earn that. They didn't give it to you, and they shouldn't be the ones to take it away from you. Point blank in the period. Remember that. And if they're not on that journey with you, you can put their asses off. You don't have to keep going through negativity and negative energy just because somebody else is negative all the time. You don't have to. You make that decision on your own period. Until next time, I need a love to hate. You guys have a good weekend. Peace.